Greetings all of God's people. This is again Mordecai Joseph. And last time we finished uh, with chapter 46 and lesson 40, 45, I believe. Yes, we are now in lesson 46. And so in lesson 46 now we are finished with basically uh, chapter 46 of uh, Ezekiel, I mean Isaiah. In chapter 47 we basically read about the other church, the false church. And uh, God is speaking against the false church in all their lives. You know, he's going back and forth, you know, uh, sort of uh, balancing one with the other. And Israel, reading through all that, he understands that. And he speaks in uh, chapter 47, verse 1. Come down and sit in the dust, O virgin daughter of Babylon, sitting on the ground without a throne, O daughter of the Chaldeans. And he's going to bring destruction on this in verse uh, uh, 2. Take the millstones and grind meal, remove your veil, take off the skirt, uncover the thigh, pass through the rivers, your nakedness shall be uncovered. And then you go into Revelation, you read the whole story. Uh, yes, your shame will be seen, I will take vengeance, and I will not arbitrate with men, with a man. In other words, God is going to reward the counterfeit church, the false church, that comes to be the Israel of God, that comes to be Jews and they are not, that taught the whole world lies and deceptions, and infested in, in infected even the very people of God. And among the very elect. There's some teachings there that God says, come out of Babylon, it's not of me. A lot of lies. And so God is going to expose all that. And then verse 4, he says, As for our Redeemer, the Eternal of hosts, he is his name, the Holy One of Israel. So he's contrasting that with the false church and the true church. The story has been there from the beginning until the time, the end, you know, and the people of, uh, of God in the days of Jesus Christ fully understood it. That's why when you come to Revelation, when it speaks about Babylon, Mystery of the Great, they know what it's talking about. It's been there all along, from the beginning until the end. It wasn't something new. And the people that had the background knew all along what are the teachings of God, what is the true church of God, what is the law of God, what is the terminology God uses, what do they mean, those things. And God uses a word, you know, it has a meaning for it. When people lose that, they lose the meaning. And then they don't know. The right from the wrong, then it's very easy to deceive them and confuse them. And that's why it is, though, that way. A lot of people are not really fully aware of what the Bible says from the beginning until the end. So it's easy for others to come and deceive them. Who themselves are deceived, oftentimes, as sincere as they may be. In chapter 48, we read in verse 1, here, this, O house of Jacob, who are called by the name of Israel, and have come forth from the wellsprings of Judah. So speaking to his people, Judah, who are of the house of Jacob, who are called by the name Israel. You know, people say to them, well, you're not Israel. You have no right to be called Israel. Israelites, who themselves are Israelites, kinsmen of the same, say, you have no right to be called Israelite. We are the only Israel. You're not Israel. Well, ignorant people speak like that. God makes it very plain. Here, a house of Jacob, who are called by the name of Israel, and have come forth from the wellsprings of Judah. You want to call God a liar? Man is a liar. And anybody who uses this kind of a language, you know, against the people of Judah, you know, saying, well, they have no right to be called Israel, the land of Israel, or, we, you know, whatever. They have no right to the national... Uh, name of Israel, well, let them confront God and tell him that, because God didn't know that. And so, he said, you have come 
forth from the wellsprings of Judah, that is the southern kingdom that was also called the house of Israel, who swear by the name of the Eternal. You see, at the time they were still swearing by the name of Jehovah. It wasn't a problem. The days of Isaiah. They didn't come up with this rabbinic prohibition. Don't even mention the name Jehovah. Use any other name but that name. Oh, God didn't, uh, God made it very plain. In the days of uh, Isaiah, they were still using the name Jehovah. And so he says, you swear by the name of Jehovah, of the eternal, and make mention of the God of Israel, but not in truth or in righteousness. In other words, you've got problems, you house of Israel, the, you know, the people of Judah. Remember what the message was, Isaiah 1-1? The burden, you know, the message of, uh, of Isaiah to, the, to Judah in Jerusalem. So he said, you know, yes, you know, you're, you're the people of Judah, you're the house of Israel, house of Jacob, but you're not swearing by the name of God in truth. That's the reason why the rabbis down the road said, hey, you're blaspheming the name of God, you're swearing, you know, swearing in lies. Like today, people use the name of God all the time, in vain. You know, even I attach a, a condemnation with it. And so they told them, the rabbis, from now on, don't use it anymore. You know, use another, another name. This way, you know, you're not going to defile it, which is foolish. That's not the teaching of God, but you know, you can see the, the sincerity that was in, in their uh, prohibition. You know, that's, that's where they made the, bar- in the barriers around the law of God. In the process, people forget what the law of God is all about. Instead of just teaching the truth, telling them, look, you can swear by the name of God, but swear in truth and in righteousness. They told them, because the wisdom was not the wisdom of God, don't even swear at all. Use other names. And so to this very day, no Jew would ever use the word. That is, no religious Jew would use the word Jehovah, because the thing is blasphemy. God never said it's blasphemy, the rabbis did. God determines what sin is and what righteousness is, not man. And so God is condemning them. You know, you swear by the name Jehovah and you mention the name of God, but you don't do it in truth or in righteousness. For they call, verse 2, they call themselves after the holy city. Yeah, the people, we are the people of Judah, the people of Jerusalem, well, so which is fine, which you are. And lean on the God of Israel, the Lord of hosts is his name. Yet they don't speak the truth. And so it says, I have declared, verse 3, the former things from the beginning, they went forth from me, from my mouth. And I caused them to hear it. Suddenly I did them, and they came to pass. In other words, he told them, you know, I'm going to bring punishment on you, and whatever I say is going to pass, whether you believe it or not. And the people that believed God, well, uh, they, hid the, they would hear the, you know, the words of the prophet. And then verse 17, we read, Thus says the Eternal, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Eternal, your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way you should go, the way, always remember, the way, the way, the way, you know. Say it so many times until you get used to the idea, this is the name of the religion of God, not Christianity, not Judaism, not any other name that men invent, that basically tells you it's a religion of men. Even Christ, you know, he said, I just get to keep it, you know, I didn't speak anything of my own, whatever the Father told me, I keep my Father's commandments. He directed his disciples to pray to the Father, our Heavenly Father. It was the religion of the Father, the law, the Torah, the way. The disciples used the same analogy. I mean, the same terminology. And then somewhere down the road, when the counterfeit church took over, everything changed. Everything. The name of the religion, the terminology of the law, or the truth, the holidays, the Sabbath, everything else. Well, 
If you want to follow in that footsteps, you become a part of Babylon. God says, you either come out of Babylon or else. You're going to be partakers of her plague. So you have a choice to make. And it's not men, you know, speaking, you know. It's, it's neither here nor there, you know, what I think or believe or, or say, whatever. You know, if this is what God, your God says to you. Well, God says to you, read my lips. Verse 17, thus says the eternal, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the eternal, your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way you should go. Oh, that you had heeded my commandments. Then your peace would have been like river, and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Your descendants also would have been like the sand, and the offspring of your body like the grains of the sand. His name would not have been cut off, nor destroyed from before me. And many people, many people, the people of God, were destroyed, killed, maimed, butchered, you know, incinerated, and all in vain. As they served God and obeyed God and kept His commandments and walked in His way, neither those from the house of Israel or the house of Judah would have been in the grave, so to speak, but alive and well. Uh, that is, as long as they were alive and well, you know, in the flesh, they wouldn't be cut off, you know, in the midst of their life, sometimes as babes, destroyed. And so he tells us, verse 20, that's the purpose of this series, go forth from Babylon, flee from the Chaldeans, come out of Babylon, in other words, with the voice of singing, declare, proclaim this, utter it to the end of the earth. Say the Lord has redeemed his servant Jacob. And they did not thirst when he led them through the deserts. See the past tense? It's already happened. Yet that was written 2,800 years ago. So at what point did God reject his people? He caused the waters to flow from the rock of them. He also split the rock and the waters gushed out. There is no peace, says the Eternal, for the wicked. People seek peace. They make peace plans. They give land for peace. There is no peace. There is no peace in this land. People murder and kill and butcher and hate. People are in terrible sickness and affliction and all kinds of things. There is no peace for the wicked. Because they have rejected the commandments of God and chosen their own. Got their own religion. Let's continue with chapter uh, 49. Listen, O coastlands, to me, and take heed, you peoples from afar. The Lord has called me from the womb, from the matrix of my mother, that is, from the inward parts of my mother. He has made mention of my name, and he has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand he has hidden me, and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver he has hidden me, and he said to me, You are... My servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified, not in any other nation, not in any other church that calls itself a church, but in you, the body of witnesses, all of your problems, you're going to be renewed, and in you are going to be glorified. Verse 4, then I said, I have labored in vain. Jacob is speaking, I have spent my strength for nothing and in vain. Yet surely my just reward is with the eternal and my work with my God. 
And now the Lord says, who formed me from the womb to be his servant. See? To bring Jacob back to him so that Israel is gathered to him. So now he's switching roles. Now he's no longer speaking about Jacob himself as a nation, but the redeemer of Jacob. You see the prophet, and you see the way God inspired it. And people have no eyes, they don't see it. They don't know where one begins, where one ends. So now the Lord is speaking, the Lord of Israel. And now the Lord says, Who formed me from the womb to be his servant. So the Lord, Jehovah, says that another Jehovah formed me. He makes it very plain, there are two of us. To bring Jacob back to him. So he's not speaking about Jacob now, because Jacob doesn't bring Jacob. Somebody else who is bringing Jacob back to him, to the Lord, the one that sent me, who is also Jehovah, the God who is greater than I, as Christ said when he came on this earth in the flesh, so that Israel is gathered to him, to the Father, so it can be his people, his church, church of God, receive his spirit, be begotten, become converted, become the Israel of God. For I shall be glorious in the eyes of the Eternal, and my God shall be my strength. Indeed, he says, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob. Did God ever reject them? Did the Father ever reject them? Even though they rejected his son, at least temporarily until their eyes are opened, or Christ told them, you're not going to see me again until you're ready and willing and he will say, Blessed be he that comes in the name of the Lord. At least he told them, I'm coming back to you in spite of what you've done to me, in spite of what you're going to do to me. I never reject you. What were his last words? Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. While the false church, for the next 2,000 years, called them Christ killers and killed them and murdered them and butchered them. That's not what Christ said. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Well, if they don't know what they're doing, what do you kill them for? That's the difference between the, fall, the true church and the false church. The true church recognizes its own sins and iniquities and repents and turns away and comes back to God and becomes again the Israel of God. And so he says, verse 6, indeed he says, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant, or the Father is speaking now about the one that became his servant, Jesus Christ, the God of Israel, and to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. Not all are going to be preserved, at least initially, and then they will be brought back from the graves and uh, brought back to life, and they will be the people of God again. So he says, I will also give you as a light to the nations. Also. In other words, first, the emphasis is, that's what the Father is saying, the emphasis is, First, on the tribes of Jacob. They are my church, my people, my witnesses, and your witnesses. Speaking of Jesus Christ. I want them preserved, restored, brought back to the land of Israel. You see? So my city can be among them, the city of Jerusalem. Not only the physical city that will be there at the coming of Christ, where the Israelites will inhabit that city, the ones that will be called the workers of the city and teach all nations of the earth, but also the holy city, so it can be among them. And then the foundations of the city, called by the names of the tribes of, of the apostles of the tribes of Israel. And the gates, called by the names of the tribes of Israel. See what the Father is concerned about from the beginning until the end? So what do people say? People, you know, God rejected his people. Now that God 
Neither the Father nor the Son rejected his people. But after that, he said, I also want you to be a light to the nations. Beside my people, Jacob, also, you see, that's the second, you know, second commission of, of Christ. And so Christ divided that commission among his disciples. You know, he said, you know, you Peter and the others, you go to the lost towns of Israel, and you Paul, down the road, later on, also, you know, so to speak, you go to the nations, you know, and bring some individuals out. Only this time, uh, God wants Israel to bring all the nations of the earth, not just sprinklings and few of them, but all the earth shall bow the knees before the God of Israel. And so it says, and I also give you as a light to the nations, that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Because remember Genesis 1.26, God, the one that is known as the Father, and the one that is known as Christ later on, says, let us make men in our image and our likeness. All of them, not just one of them, or two of them, or few of them, or many of them. All of them. So verse 7, that says, the eternal, the redeemer of Israel, the holy one, to whom... Uh, that is, to him whom men despises, and they certainly did despise him, to him whom the nation abhors, and to this day his own people, Judah, abhor him. Even the name that they gave him, Yeshu, is an acronym for, may his name be blotted out. How blasphemous can they be? But they're blind. Christ said, you know, they're, for, you know, they're blind. Forgive them. They don't know what they're talking about. They don't know who I am. But the day will come when they will. They're going to repent. That's why you read in uh, Zechariah 12. They're going to mourn. Oh, are they going to mourn in that day when they realize what they've done? When he says, I'll come back to you and you shall see me whom you pierced, you crucified, and then you're going to mourn. They're not going to be contemptuous of me anymore. They're not going to abhor me. So that's what he's saying here. That says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, their Holy One, to him whom men despises. As Isaiah will tell us in 53. Uh, you know, he was despised. We didn't regard him. You know, we turned away our, uh, into our own path, you know. So it says, to him whom men despises, to him whom the nation, to the servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise. Princes also shall worship. No more are they going to, you know, abhor him. Beginning with his own people. That's why he's coming back to his own people. Making a point, and come back to my own people, and then to set them, deliver them, and the tents of Judah shall be saved first, to the Jew first, always. Salvation is of the Jews. God made that statement, not men. In other words, the one that crucified him are going to have to repent of it. The first is a nation. And when they do their job, then the whole earth is going to be filled with goodness. And then that includes all the rest of the tribes of Israel including the Jews who are abroad. And so, he says, Princess also shall worship because of the Eternal who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, and He has chosen you. You know? Like the poster, Uncle Sam wants you. The Father and Jesus Christ tell His own, they tell their own people, Judah, Israel, Jacob, I want you. You have no choice about it. Nobody says no to Uncle Sam, so to speak. And verse 8, that says eternal, in an acceptable time, I have heard you. So there's a timetable. That's why I let you go and sow, you know, your wild oats. But I don't reject you. I give you a long leash. When the time comes, I'm going to pull the leash. And so it says, in an acceptable time, I have heard you. And in, a day of, in the day of salvation, 
I have helped you. You know, there is coming a day of salvation. Today is not the day. 2,000 years ago was not the day. Only very, very few. I will preserve you and give you as a covenant to the people. Once I make a covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, then you are going to be the covenant of the nations. Go teach them. Go you into all the world. Teach all nations to observe all things which I have commanded you. That's the ultimate meaning of that statement. And people misunderstood it. Therefore, that was the time. Because the, you know, even the, the apostles were confused. They all thought Christ was coming in their day. So they, they assumed that that statement was for them. It didn't mean that for them. You know, you just do whatever you, know you need to do. You know, a little bit here and a little bit there. But the ultimate statement is for them. When the nation is born, when the new covenant is made, when the church is born, then you're going to be the covenant to the nations, to the people. Yeah. And he says, you know, I will preserve you and give you for that reason. Nobody's going to be able to kill you all these 2,000 years. Because I'm going to preserve you and give you as a covenant to the people to restore the earth, to cause them to inherit the desolate heritage or heritages. That you may say to the prisoners, go forth to those who are in darkness, show yourselves. So both. The Savior of Israel is going to be the covenant of the nations, and both Israel also, his people, is going to be a covenant of the nations. That's a double uh, speaking there, so to speak, double meaning. Uh, for both Jacob and the, the Redeemer of Jacob, you know, inter interchangeable there. And they shall feed along the roads, and their pasture shall be on all desolate heights. They shall neither hunger, verse 10, nor thirst, neither heat nor sun shall strike them. For he who has mercy on them will lead them. Even by the springs of water, he will guide them. I will make each of my mountains a road, and my highways shall be elevated. Surely, this shall come from afar. Look! Look! God says to his people, look! To Jerusalem, to the city. He's speaking to the city. It's symbolic, you know, the nation. Look! Those from the north and the west, and this from the land of Simeon. Sing, O heavens, be joyful, O earth, and break out in singing, O mountains, for the Eternal has comforted his people, and will have mercy on his afflicted. But, on the other hand, he says, that's your attitude, 14, verse 14, But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me, and my Lord has forgotten me. Well, God says, Oh, no, I didn't do that. You don't believe all the lies that people told you about it. I never did that. Verse 15, God replied, Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget. Being human beings, sometimes they do. Yet, I will not forget you. Verse 16, speaking to Jerusalem, to the city, symbolic of the nation, to his wife, to his church. See, I have inscribed, he said, look, look, look at it in my hand, look in my hands, you know, like he told Thomas. Thomas, you are, you know, you doubter, you know, you unbeliever, look at my hands, what do you see there? That's what he's telling his people, see, look, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. What are the marks that you see on my hands? You see, that's what I had to go through to deliver you. That's what he's talking about. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Your sons shall make haste. Your destroyers and those who laid you waste shall go away from you. No more enemies. 
You know, the full church will never afflict you anymore. And it's her armies. Verse 18, lift up your eyes. Look around and see. God is speaking to his church, to his people. Those who read it all this time always knew it. The disciples read it. They all knew it. So they preached it. So they went to the tribes of Israel and told them that. Paul never taught any other gospel. Liars were accusing him of doing it. And he said, they are the liars. They are preaching another gospel. Verse 18, lift up your eyes, look around and see, and this, and this gather together and come to you. As I live, says the Eternal, you shall surely clothe yourselves with them all. All of Israel shall be saved, as Paul would say. You shall be clothed with them as an ornament and bind them on you as a bride does. A bride, who is the bride of God? For your waste in desolate places, verse 19, and the land of your destruction will even now be too small for the inhabitants and those who swallowed you up will be far away. Most of them in the grave. That's how far. As life is far from death, that's how far they're going to be from you. Verse 20, the children you will have after you have lost the others will say again in your ears, the place is too small for me. Give me a place where I may dwell. In other words, you bring me back to the land, yes, from the river, Euphrates to the river of Egypt, but it's still, you know, we're increasing them. Many of us, not good enough. Not enough space. God already said, that's only the beginning. You're still going to spread forward, east, west, north, and south. You go back to your old lands, you know, that you had before that. Now they've had enough time to recuperate and, re and rest from all the evil that you did upon it. And that's in essence what's happening here. Verse 21. Then you, sh you will say in your heart, Who has begotten this for me, since I have lost my children and am desolate, a captive, and wandering to and fro? And who has brought this up? There I was left alone, but this, where were they? You see what God is doing here? You know, he's sitting and thinking about the whole thing from the beginning until the end, and he's, and he's uh, creating sort of a, a, a living conversation here. And he's recording it. And he wants his people to read it. And to be comforted by it. And to know it. As far as part of all their iniquities and afflictions. God has not forgotten them. And as evil as they are. As corrupt as their sins are. So great is his grace. When they repent. Which they will. And come back to him. That tells you an awful lot about the mind of the God that we serve. And the, and the Savior and the Lord who gave his life for his people, even though they hate him and hate his law and hate his, hate his truth, even those who call themselves by his name, you know, church of God, people of God, you tell them about the law of God, resentment comes in. That's the first thing that comes to their mind. I don't want to hear about it. Verse 22. Are we talking about old time or are we talking about modern life or modern things, things to come yet? Supposedly New Testament reality. There's no such a thing as old and new. It's all one. These are phases. It's one story, one book, one God, one law, one people, one church, one doctrine, so to speak, one Lord. That's what the epistle is all about. One God, one doctrine, one Lord. This is what he's talking about, not what people thought he's talking about. Verse 22, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will lift my hand in an oath to the nations. And set up my standard for the people. 
and they shall bring your sons in their arms, and your daughters shall be carried on their shoulders. Kings shall be your foster fathers, and their queens your nursing mothers. They shall bow down to you with their faces to the earth, and lick the dust of your feet. Now they speak evil of you all this time. Speak evil of the Jews, and they will speak evil of the children of Israel when they find out who they are. They said, I'm going to make them come and lick the dust of your, you know, of your feet. Speaking to his church, symbolically, metaphorically, Israel, the church, and he's going to bring back the remnant, and after that, those who are in the grave. And then, you will know that I am the eternal, because now, obviously, you don't. For they shall not be ashamed who wait for me. Shall the prey, verse 24, be taken from the mighty, or the captives, or the righteous be delivered? But that says the eternal, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away, and the prey of the terrible be delivered, for I will contend with him who contends with you, and I will save your children, and I will feed those who oppress you with their own flesh. That's what God tells the true church about the false church. Those who claim we are the Israel of God, the spiritual Jews, we are the church of God and you are not. I will feed those who oppress you with their own flesh, and they shall be drunk with their own blood, as with sweet wine. All flesh shall know that I, the Eternal, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Can anybody argue with that? Are we the one who said it? Are these the words of men? Is this Old Testament stuff? Or is it the truth? As Christ said, I am the truth. That's what he's talking about also. So let's continue the story. It's not over yet. In uh, chapter 50, verse 1, thus says the Lord, Where is the certificate of your mother's divorce, whom I had put away? Or which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? In other words, God says, you know, can, can you find any bill of divorce? I, I, never, I never got rid of you. Yeah, I've sent you into captivity, but never cut you off. Never rejected you. So why are you in captivity? He says, for your iniquities you have sold yourselves. And for your transgressions your mother has been put away. You see? Yeah, sent into captivity, but not... But God says, I don't want to see you anymore. I'm going to marry somebody else. Verse 2. Why then I came? Why then? Why when I came, was there no man? Or when I called, was there none to answer? In other words, God sent the prophets. Then he sent the disciples. And they proclaimed the message. Not many responded. But you are going to in the future. He said, is my hand shortened at all that I cannot redeem? People think, well, God is not that powerful. I trying to excuse God, apologize for God, you know, a certain rabbi that wrote a book that everybody uh, loves and adores and all that. What a great book they say. In essence, he's showing God as an impotent God. He's not capable of doing everything. And, you know, that's, 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 that's the God of this world. So it says, Is my hand shortened at all that it cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? Indeed, with my rebuke, I dry the sea. I make the rivers a wilderness. The fish stink before there is no water. But you see how his people turn away from him into fables, into lies, into deceptions? And yet God never, had never forsaken his people. 
God will redeem his people. He's going to bring them back to himself. And he can read on and on and on from the beginning until the end. God is going to justify. Verse 8. He is near who justifies me. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near me. Surely the eternal God will help me. Who is he who will condemn me? Indeed, they will all grow old like a garment. The moth will eat them up. Verse 10, who among you fears the eternal who obeys his voice of his servant, that is, who obeys the voice of his servant, the one that is sent to this earth to die for us, who walks in darkness and has no light. Let him trust in the name of the eternal and rely upon his God. And that's what God tells his people. Come back to me. I'm going to deliver you. Chapter 51. Listen to me. Verse 1. You who follow after righteousness, for you who seek the eternal, look to the rock from which you were hewn. God is telling his people, you actually came from me. I am the rock and you are part of me. We are one. Because when marriage occurs, the two become one. That's what he's saying to them. He came from me. I'm yours. And to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Look to Abraham your father and to Sarah who bore you. For I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. For the eternal will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. God didn't make all these covenants with Abraham. Let her on to disappoint you and say, I'm sorry, they're all gone. I got me somebody else instead. That's foolishness. God says he is going to make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the, of the eternal. Joy and gladness will be found in it, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Listen to me, my people, God is saying to his people, and give ear to me, O my nation, for law, Torah, will proceed from me. Not any other terminology or whatever invention you've come up with. I will make my justice rest as the light of the peoples. My righteousness is near. My salvation has gone forth. And my arms will judge the peoples. The coastlands will wait upon me. And on my arm they will trust. You know, all, everybody, all around the earth. You, my people, everybody else. God is not going to forsake his people, nor is he going to forsake all the rest of the nations of the earth. But he allowed them to go their own way. So if he's not going to forsake them, how much, how much more is he going not to forsake his own people? Verse 7, listen to me, you who know righteousness, you people in whose heart is my Torah. Can we say that? Can people who resent the Torah say that the, the Torah is in their heart? Is he speaking to people like that? Are they his people? He says, do not fear the reproach of man. Nor be afraid of their insults. Certainly they are going to insult you. For the moth will eat them up like a garment, and the worm will eat them like wool. But my righteousness will be forever. And if it is in our heart, it will be there forever. And my salvation from generation to generation. Verse 9. Awake, awake, put on strength the arm of the eternal. Awake in the ancient places, or days, in the generations of old. Are you not the arm that cut Rahab apart? So, speaking about deliverance that God is going to bring to his own people. And uh, verse 11, So the ransomed, you know, once God 
rises up, uh, actually verse 10, he can try and deliver his people and says, Are you not the one who dried up the sea, the waters of the great gate, that made the depth of the sea ro- uh, road, speaking about Egypt, when they came out of Egypt, for the redeemed to cross over, so the ransomed of the eternal shall return, speaking about the future, and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy, on their head, they shall obtain joy and gladness, sorrow and sign shall flee away. Verse 12, I, even I, am he who comforts you. Speaking to his people, he's never rejected. Who are you that you should be afraid of a man who will die, and of the son of man who will be made like grass? And you forget the eternal, your maker, who spreads out the heavens, speaking to his own people. You shouldn't be afraid of people. I'm your God. Why do you forget me? I said, you're afraid of, of, of people instead of being afraid of me. You know, fear my law, fear my way, my path. Walk, you know, in my path. And so, because of that, people had to, you know, the people of God had to suffer needlessly. But God says, I'm going to redeem you. And, uh, speaking of the exiles, he's going to bring back. You can read the rest of the chapter. Verse 15. But I am the eternal your God, who divided the sea, whose waves roared, the eternal of hosts is his name, and I have put my words in your mouth. I have covered you with a shadow of my hand, that I may plant the heavens, lay the foundations of the earth, and say to Zion, you are my people. God is very clear about who the true church is, who and what the true church are. Verse 17, Awake, awake, stand up, O Jerusalem, you have drunk at the hand of the Eternal the cup of his fury. That's because of your wickedness. You have drunk the dregs of the cup of trembling and drained it out. There is no one to guide her among all the sons she has brought forth. But all her teachers are liars. You know, a few of them that are precious few that speak the truth, that teach the truth. Not all of them are. The Eternal is speaking. They have no teachers to lead them to God. The teaching the law of God is done away with. It's some lies, so a mixture of truth and error. So that's the way God chooses generally. There's nobody to guide her. Among all the sons she has brought forth. Nor is there any who takes her by the hand among all the sons she has brought up. These two things have come to upon you, or to you, who will be sorry for you. Desolation and destruction, famine and sword. By whom will I comfort you? Your sons have fainted, they lie at the head of all the streets, you know, speaking to his own people. Look what you bought on yourself. What kind of teachers you have, they all lead you astray. You know, the shepherds of Israel. And yet, God is going to deliver them. And so he says, verse 21, Therefore, please hear this, you afflicted and drunk, but not with wine. You know, the wine of the fornication of the, of the false church. That's why he had nobody to lead you to the truth. Generally speaking, you know, they're always precious few. He's not speaking about the precious few. Thus says the Eternal, your Lord, that is, thus says your Lord, the Eternal, your Eternal, the Eternal, your God, who pleads the cause of his people. See, I have taken out of your hand the cup of trembling, the dregs of the cup of my fury, which is the trouble of Jacob. You shall no longer drink it, but I will put it in the hand of those who afflict you. Who have said to you, lie down, lie down, that we may walk over you. You know the terminology used for the people of God? You know, you're the lay people, we walk all over you. Where did that concept come from? Not from God. 
God made all his people a royal priesthood with dignity and respect and, you know, nobility, able to, you know, sharpen one another, discuss the law with one another, not exercise dominion authority over all, you know, over the flock. So that, that's it. This is the mind of the Gentile church, the false church, the counterfeit church, the enemies of Israel. They say, lie down. You know? We may, we may walk all over you. And you have laid your body like the ground. And many people just give, you know, give up to it and just submit themselves to this kind of rule. And there's a street for those who walk over. That's the way they treated the people of God. So chapter 252, he says, verse 1, Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments of Jerusalem, the holy city. That's a who? And when the holy city from heaven descends, that's why it's called the bride of the Lamb. Because it's symbolic of the nation. And when Paul speaks in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, some people say, well, isn't that Paul speaking? Yeah. Invent their own ideas. Who is speaking? When he speaks about the heavenly Jerusalem, you know, the Mount Zion, before whom we stand, that's the one he's speaking about. Speaking about the people of God. So he says, Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For the uncircumcised and the unclean, Revelation 21, 27, talking about the same subject, shall no longer come to you. A lot of uncircumcised people are, so to speak, in the heart, and some in the flesh. And yet God makes a very plan later on. You can read it in the book of Ezekiel, which shall come to it later on. When he comes back and dwells in the midst of his people, and the temple is there, and Israel is there, and Jerusalem is there, he says, I don't want you to bring into this place a person who is uncircumcised in the flesh or in the heart. And now there are even a lot of people among the Jews, to their own destruction, as it is coming, who say, we don't want to have any circumcision. You know, that's bad stuff. It's not for us. Speak evil of it. Just read an article about it. A venomous article by a Jew from Israel against circumcision. You see, God says you're not going to be around with an attitude like that. And there are people in our midst who have the same attitude too, call themselves the people of God. Children of Israel, sons of Abraham, who should be under that covenant and are not willing to be. Not speaking about the grafted, wild olive grafted, who are not under that covenant with the seed of Abraham. So God says, the uncircumcised and the unclean shall no longer come to you. Shake yourself from the dust. Arise, sit down, O Jerusalem. Look yourself from the bonds, that is, loose yourself from the bonds of your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For thus is the eternal. You have sold yourself for nothing. You know, it's because of your iniquity. And you shall be redeemed without money, because I'm going to redeem you. I died for you. For thus is the eternal, your God. Verse 4. My people went down at first into Egypt to dwell there, then the Syrian oppressed them without cause. No, now therefore, what have I here, says the Eternal, that my people are taken away for nothing. Those who rule over them make them to wail, to howl, says the Eternal. And my name, because of that, he says, my name is blasphemed continually every day. Imagine that. The people of God, the wife of God is in that condition. Don't you think God is going to be insulted by that? That's what he's saying. My name is blasphemed when my people are in that condition. Well, people rule over them, step all over them, make them to howl. Verse 6, therefore my people shall know my name, because now they don't. 
is Meshud. Therefore, they shall know in that day that I am he who speaks. Behold, it is I. It is not man speaking, it is God speaking. And those who have ears to hear can hear the word of God. And those who don't, make fun of it. And when that happens, he says, verse 7, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good tidings. Good news, you see. That's what Paul says. The gospel has been preached unto them. Book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 15, as it was unto us. He says, How beautiful are upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, the people of God, or in captivity, or in ignorance, or in blindness, or in oppression, Behold, your God is coming. He's going to bring you salvation. Who proclaims salvation, you know. Well, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Your watchmen shall lift up their voices. With their voices they shall sing together. For they shall see eye to eye when the eternal brings back Zion. Break forth into joy. Sing together, you waste places of Jerusalem. For the eternal has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The eternal has made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. And we're going to break at this time and say greetings again to all of God's people. Until next time, this is Mordecai Joseph. The preceding message was taken from the World Wide Website at address www.biblestudy.org. This site is sponsored by Barnabas Ministries. Bible Study. You have questions? The Bible has answers.